What's up? Welcome to whatever the fuck Red River this is. <laughs> uh, another one in the series of like uh, the check-in. Um, and man, long time coming, man. Steve Andolfo, what's up? What's up, man? Um, it's 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 good. Uh, nobody in Arizona is taking the uh, virus seriously. So like we're pretty much already on stay, step one of getting the uh, economy back together over here. So <laughs> okay. you know, I'm just... I'm just staying at home and not doing anything because I don't trust anything. So we're good. So we're great. <laughs> do you have your mask like in, in general when you go out? I mean, I think it's funny that uh, as soon as it was announced that you're supposed to wear masks, my Facebook like and Instagram direct market ads were all about like cool masks. <laughs> yes, I actually did. I- I was like, um, I remember the first time my girlfriend made me wear one. Uh, we went to... Fuck. It was like right around the first week and uh, it might have been big lots. And she's like, you got to come in, but you have to wear a mask. And I was like, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) I'm just because I'm just like, like I'm an underreactor and she's an overreactor. So somewhere. Right, right, right. I was at first, too. I I was with you. I was with you as being an underreactor. I, then then what ha- I, I don't know how you kind of switched a little bit, but I, I spoke to people that have had it. Um, I, I watched videos. Um, I talked to people that are in the medical field. And uh, from there, it kind of, um, you know, it, it makes you like, oh, shit, this this sounds like a not, not a lot of fun for a fat guy to to basically get in his lungs, you know? Right, right. I had this built in thing called anxiety. Oh, okay. Um, so that just kind of took over from there. It was after I literally, my job is to listen to people on the phone and dictate, translate for them. So I hear calls from all over the country and the, as the, as the time on the phones grew, cause I ended up taking like 12 hour shifts as that grew my, uh, insecurity and nervousness about the, the, uh, the COVID grew because everybody was talking about it in varying degrees of freaking out. So by the end of 12 hours of hearing a million people freak out about something, you have no choice but to go to your car and go, oh, I'm kind of freaked out now. Yeah, like it's yeah, it, it was one of those things. And and listen, I, I like I said, I'm an, I'm I'm an under and I have zero anxiety. The only time I have anxiety is when I'm on a plane. So um, I, yeah. have, I have the B.A. Baracus syndrome. Um, but other than you can only go somewhere knocked out yeah (laughs) great pretty well that's where like being sober comes in like to not be in handy that's the only time that i'm like you know you you jump on a plane and everyone's like i'm gonna take a xanax or i'm gonna do like a shot or i'm gonna fucking shoot heroin in the bathroom and uh, (laughs) i mean that's a pretty big leap bro i'm just saying you know uh (laughs) people people cope in different ways and i'm like sitting there white knuckling trying to watch like you know a documentary on fucking anything and as soon as like the turbulence hit i'm just like you know because i'm pretty rational thinking but whenever turbulence hits i'm thinking like this is basically it this is the end of my life right now this is what's gonna happen and every i just like look around and like is i i guess i pay attention to the stewardesses and and as long as they seem fine then i guess i'm fine you know oh no 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 no, no. 
they they're trained to look fine. They're trained to be like, yeah, everything's fine. Which we're, helps. We're defying the laws of nature. It's fine. On, yes, defying the laws of nature. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and everyone's just like, the last time, I think I went to go, funny, you were in Arizona. I went with my girlfriend to visit her family over, you know, close to you. And um, there was a, a, a rabbi or some religious guy. I, I remember he got on the plane. And I saw him fall asleep before takeoff and wake up when we landed like six hours later. And I'm thinking, Ooh. like, how did you do that? Like, how did you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's what it is. I feel like converting. If he told me that's what it was, I might just have to, you know, flip the switch. There. What, you, what you need to do is just hire a person to choke you out before every flight. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. You know, and then they get off the plane, they leave you there, and you're just choked out for this for the whole flight, and you're fine. So, so I'll I'll tell you a funny revealing story. Um, one day uh, I had drug issues, and I ended up in jail, and uh, I was uh, hooked on heroin. So I was on one in one day. This happened. No, 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 no. I mean, this is like yeah. <laughs> so I was, um, you know, I, I I go in there and I'm kicking right. So I'm I'm like drug sick. And uh, it's really hard to explain what it's like, but man, I, I remember being in there and I, I was uh, on the outside, so I was sleeping on one of the cots and uh -huh. I was trying to make myself pass out so I could fall asleep and I would choke myself and I finally got it to work. And when I ended up choking myself out, what happened was I was on a cot that had has these like um, metal frames around it. And when my head hit the uh, instead of the pillow, it hit this frame and like banged me in my eye and woke me up so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that'll do it. Yeah. Well, things have changed, you know, from the 90s. You know, it was, it was a crazy time. <laughs> So many things. So many things have changed. <laughs> Absolutely. But so, so bef for people know, you know, um, arguably my favorite Long Island band of all time is Small Arms Dealer. And that's ridiculous. I Listen, I don't know what it <laughs> is. Man. Tell you it's ridiculous right now. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know what Lebrano does or like it's really Beaker, wasn't it? Like, I feel like Beaker was like, <laughs> um, you're you're you're. You're forgetting about the wizardness of Lou. Oh, Luigi, yeah. Luigi had a big deal, uh, yeah. a big, big, big part of everything. It's Beaker and Lebrano together is really like the the sweet spot of everything. Yeah. But you got Beaker and Lebrano together, and you got uh, you got Luigi playing guitar as well, and you got yourself a stew going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, me, I'm just there for the ride, honestly. You just hang in and fucking <laughs> like, who the Adam kid, right? Where he was like the first drummer or some shit. Oh yeah, when. <laughs> Adam, Adam, who was our, our drummer, um, which I have, I, you know, I don't know if this is uh, something I want to put out there, but I'm pretty sure we made him turn to God. <laughs> oh, because I remember, didn't he like, uh, wasn't he like a snake handler and like left the band? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean, I... he was a guy who had a lot of snakes. Oh. <laughs> so much, so many so that he moved out of the house that he lived in, uh, let the, let the snakes, snakes stay there. And then he moved. With, he was living with his girlfriend, I think, at the time. Wow. <laughs> I have a I have a theory because he's very very uh, religious now, and uh, good good for him, and all that. But if you listen to this second small arms dealer record, it's oh. very anti anti god. Absolutely, like who farted? Um, yeah, a lot so, of yeah. <laughs> so 
I have this theory in my head that like he couldn't hear the lyrics when we recorded it and everything. He just couldn't hear it. And then like he got the physical copy of the record and listened to it and was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this what I'm behind? And then was like, I gotta quit this band. I gotta move back down to church town, get my get my Jesus levels up and uh start forgetting that i was ever in that band yeah uh, that's unbelievable you know what's probably because like how many times have you been at practice and you're like or playing shows and you think everything's fine and then when you get in the recording studio you turn to like the guitar player or drum you're like is that what you've been playing the whole time <laughs> it doesn't really work see, <laughs> see now in my case because the guitarist was beaker and luigi oh for sure We'd be in the middle of recording, and then Beaker would pull out some crazy, like weird, like two second solo madness. And I'd look at him and be like, "Have you been playing that the whole time?" And he's like, "Ah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Man, what a well, what a great band! And uh, obviously, you know, uh, also you come from uh, the band Contra with our, our buddy John. Um, so man, you know, you, 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 you did your thing out here before you left and, uh, now you just basically berate people on the horror nerds. I mean, I try not to berate people. Like I understand that other people have different <laughs> interests than I do. I really yeah. do. But I feel like a lot of people when they're looking at movies or they're, they're, they're taking an entertainment, 90% of their happiness and why they think something is good is because they were simply entertained. But if you were to take a second past the, hey, that thing looked visually okay to my eyes, mm. you take a second and think about what you watch. You're like, oh, man, that was kind of stupid. Well, di you liked Mandy, though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that movie's ridiculous, though. Okay, but it is. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember watching it and thinking, like, okay, at its core, the story is so stupid. But right, visually, right. like, I'm like, okay, this visually is what makes it better. So in a way, it's just the like... The thing is, is that movie wasn't trying to say anything, though. You know, like, it doesn't have anything behind it. It's one of those movies, it's like a, a straw man type of movie in, in a way. Okay. Where, like, you, it's there, it looks pretty, it has this stop, the start, middle, and end to it. And it's just a story. And sometimes you can have movies that are good that are just a story. Yeah. It's when a it's when a movie tries to say something and it fails horribly in saying something that I go, okay, this is just ridiculous. I can't stand behind this. Okay. So that's <laughs> okay. I get what you're saying there too. Um so before we switch over to to the, our main topic, what do you remember? Because I know on the Might of Princes, just uh, you know through Dead Broke, Mike Bruno uh, just re-released uh, what like that record, right? That basically it was like you and yeah, Jason. where you are and where you want to be. Yeah, you and Jason running on the beach. Um, what do you remember from like that day? I just had a curiosity. From that day on the beach, yeah. oh, I remember it a lot, actually. Um, Jason was a really good friend of mine, and I'm very sad that I can't be with him and see him and, like, still hang out with him and laugh with him. Absolutely. Um, but, like, that was when we first got to the West Coast on the Contra on the My Princess Tour. It was the first time any of us, or at least Jason and I, had seen the Pacific Ocean. So we uh, we got out of the, we parked the Suburban that we were all staying in. And we jumped out and we ran onto the beach. And the night before, we had seen Rocky with Apollo and Rocky oh, running around. That, that, you know what? <laughs> Brilliant. So, so Jason says to me, he's like, yo, you want to be Apollo and Rocky? And I was like, yes, I do. 
Wow. <laughs> and we stepped down and we just ran along the shore and ran on the beach together. That is... I think that's a picture taken. The, the cover is the picture taken before we actually even got to the water. That was us running towards the water. <laughs> Yo, why did I never put that together? Like, it just didn't even make, like, that's such a good answer. Like, that makes all the fucking sense in the world. I don't know why I never even thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes stories are just boring, but they make sense. But so that's one of my favorite days. One of my favorite days ever. Now, and, what, uh, what is it about that you think, like for you specifically, um, that makes people still remember that band the way that they do? Um, recently, I answered this question for a documentary that Chris Enriquez is working on okay, yeah, yeah. about the band. Um, and the thing is, is I have a different answer than I think other people have. Uh, and that's the band musically i don't know what they do for other people i don't understand why they have a lasting presence i don't understand it i think they're a very good band yeah i love that band but i don't understand it from the outsider perspective i love that album and i love that music and i love that band because of what we shared on that tour absolutely i didn't really even know who they were before we went on tour together and once we went on tour and we formed the bonds that we formed and everything and basically that tour was the first time they were playing all of the uh, "Where You Are" songs and getting the bug, getting the bugs out of all of them, so we got to see every night this band get bigger and stronger on every single song. You know, amazing. So that song or that that album is now just ingrained as part of me. Like it's 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 hard for me to listen to honestly. Like when yeah. I listen to it, I get such a memory explosion of just things I remember and things you know. I would rather forget, you know, all yeah, kinds of stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it, I'm glad that Mike Bruno did what he did with through Dead Broke. I'm glad that I think Chris is trying to do a documentary. Um, so it's it's going to be fun to see um, like a piece of that history get a little bit more, uh, you know, of a spotlight on it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what they would have done had they had had they not broken up because Jason went a little bit too too nuts on everybody hmm. but that's that's the age-old story yeah 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 everybody's got one of those i was watching we <laughs> were watching uh what the, the fucking thing you do yesterday you know yeah. james mattingly the second was such a bastard <laughs> <laughs> you know i will tell you this much that, that that movie has a perfect soundtrack oh absolutely yeah, yeah. for sure Rest in peace, yeah, Adam Schlesinger. Um, that was another turning point to me because, you know, we called Hugo. We were doing like the Hugh, you know, Hugo's birthday thing live on IG. And yeah. before I went on, because I told him I would do some Misfit songs, um, that's, that was a day that Adam from Fountains of Wayne died from COVID. Right. And I was like, yeah. whoa, I'm like, this is like beyond a little bit, you know, real now. Like, just like I can't believe. Yeah, yeah. When people people you peripherally know just from being an influence into your life or your songwriting or whatever, um, start to die, you start to take things a little bit more seriously, even though you don't know that person at all. Absolutely. Then it hits even more home when it's people you start to know start to die. Which and you're like, oh wait, this really, really is real, real. Yeah, the worst. But uh, all right, let's 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 get to the three movies. Um, we wanted to pick three movies. Um, I think the 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 the. Blueprint was one we both love, 
one we both hated and one I hate, I loved and you hated. Um, yes, and it, yes. and it really just stemmed from the Facebook thread conversation about natural born killers. <laughs> where but, I just, where I just make everybody angry at me. But you, yeah, you, you, you were the one guy in there and, and I, you know what? I respect being that one guy, you know, but, um, <laughs> well, what's funny is that when I was rewatching it this morning and I was like, <laughs> I was like sour faced in front of the TV and like, <laughs> like just angry. <laughs> My wife comes in and Kristen looks at me and she says, what are you watching? And I said, I have to watch this for a podcast. Yeah. And she says, oh, it's Natural Born Killers. I love this movie. And I was like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> sit down and let me tell you why you don't. Yeah. And I like went on a, went on a tangent, which she, of course, is used to being we've been married for as long as we have. So she was probably just ignoring it and making pancakes or something. Absolutely. And you know what? Pancakes are awesome. I, I do the yeah. same thing. Like whenever uh, I get asked a question, I mean, you know, I think it's people. You that... just make pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's yeah. asking a question. You just turn around. You're like, I, I, I got to I say shirts versus blouses. Um, <laughs> but no, like I think people that, that are very moved by music or movies or pop culture, like we kind of just go on this rabbit hole so you know my girlfriend knows if someone brings up a movie or a character or a record that I'm gonna you know take a 10 points behind and just be like oh <laughs> you know this this and this because a lot of times she's like oh my god shut the fuck up already <laughs> Oh yeah, no. they just asked you one question that's it not like the whole fucking life story of god damn it <laughs> Yeah, Kristen no. um, doesn't even try to ask me questions about movies anymore. She just goes, "What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen, as long as the pancakes are right, which I'm sure they are, you know. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I mean, she just made brownies that are really good. This is what happens when you're quarantined at home. Yo, I've been eating. I lost thirty pounds, and then slow, <laughs> Same here, bud. slow. Oh yeah, we had this discussion where like I've been eating snacks that I haven't eaten in years, just because. When you're sitting at home, uh, I don't know, you just like, I, I like watching TV and I like, I don't, I guess like eating snacks and I don't even like half the shit I've been eating, but it's there. Right. Right. You just keep doing it though. I'm like, oh. yeah, I'm like Doritos. I'm like, I don't eat this shit normally, but there they are. Yeah. yeah. It's because your life is now modeled after the life of a stoner comedy um, for circa like 19... 19- 1998 you're right or it's just dudes in their basements eating food and watching movies well you you know you know what i just turned off to do this podcast was half-baked so <laughs> yeah so pretty much you're living that life pretty accurate um one funny story though about these snack things i was it was when everybody was freaking out it was the first week that everybody's freaking out and groceries were like completely destroyed on the shelves <laughs> yes. and everything all right and you're just kind of running around in the grocery, just grabbing what you can. It was supermarket sweep, and it was fantastic. It really was. It was exhilarating. It's the most. It's the most my heart has pounded in my life. Maybe because of the walking and the running around, but other than that, <laughs> fucking perfect. Um, so, one I saw a nun in full regalia, <laughs> like full, so, looking like Freddy Krueger's mom, all white. Wow. <laughs> like, the re- I was like, the well, real deal. But I ran back to go get some pre-baked cookies or whatever. And uh, as I was coming back, this guy was holding up a package of zebra cakes. And he was turning to his his girlfriend and he, he was like, hey, remember zebra cakes? I didn't know they sold these in stores. Oh, my. And I walked by him slowly and went, hey, man, we're all going to die. Just get the zebra cakes. <laughs> Just You'll get the fine. zebra cakes. <laughs> yeah. Do you like zebra so cakes? I, I love zebra cakes. Me too. Yeah. No, they're 
they're they're fantastic. But I mean, if you're gonna die, you might as well eat the worst food possible. And I think <laughs> I think that's kind of where I'm at. Where it's just, um, I just I figure like whenever I leave the bunker, um, I'm yeah. just like, all right, whatever. I'll just go back on a diet like I was before. Right, right. Uh, but you know, you just I just I'm that guy, man. I from from being a kid to now it's like when i'm watching tv like i need popcorn i need you know like just dumb shit right yeah you just need something it just needs something like either that or i'm gonna fucking like text so it's like let me just eat popcorn and watch fucking whatever fucking movie but um so (laughs) the first movie let's talk about the one that we both loved which is the 1987 classic not the remake um absolutely not why would i talk about that terrible (laughs) terrible thing i didn't even watch it so robocop (laughs) yeah all right. As per as per Griffin Newman of the Blank Check podcast, um, the Great American Movie. What do you um What do you remember about this movie? The Do you remember like the first time you watched it? Did you watch it in the theaters? I absolutely do. Okay, cool. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, it was on HBO, um, and it was a movie that kept getting played. You know how when we were kids on HBO, they would just replay mo- the same like eight movies over and over again. Yes. So you would just end up seeing the same movie again. Like they live. And, yeah. And 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 who's not enamored with the idea of a future where there are robot cops that shoot everything when you're a kid. <laughs> now I'm thinking a robot cop is the last thing I want. But that at is the a, same time. That is the funny I do connection. Love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I that is the like funny robots. connection. Like they do not like cops. Now, but... now that we look back at like the um, like as a kid, you're like, oh, that's so cool. And now that you're like trying to get out of like I don't know a red light ticket, you're like, yes. hey, hey man, back the fuck up because you know RoboCop ain't letting you slide on that red light ticket. No, no, and don't put that little pointy thing in your face. You're not gonna yes. like it. No, you're not. You're not gonna like it. Um, um but yeah, no, like I don't know. It just like everything about it kind of. Uh, made me fall in love with it from the first time I saw it. Like the the costume is so great, it's iconic and and great. Like it just it fits Peter Weller so well with his great cheekbones and everything. Great cheekbones. So you, you, listen, that guy's got some good lips and some great <laughs> cheekbones. And this was like his first like real deal role, kind of like I I don't remember him being in anything else. Um, I remember before this. Yeah, I mean, Peter Wellish had some stuff before this, you know, he he did um, Buckaroo Banzai before this one. Yeah, besides besides that, though, I couldn't really, like, everything yeah. else was kind of like, this was like his coming out moment, and he looked like a fucking old dude, really, by this time, to be honest with you. He was, he was like no <laughs> spring chicken. Uh, but yeah, no, he, he didn't really do a lot of stuff before RoboCop, um, but it was also, he, it was one of those movies where you get, like... Like I've watched that movie The Giver a bunch of times because oh shit um, that's right Mark Hamill is in it yeah. yes yeah so anything with Peter Weller in it I ended up watching as a kid because I was like well he obviously made RoboCop so he knows what he's doing <laughs> so yeah and and it's funny because that's why I watched 1988 Shakedown because I was like I loved Sam Elliott because I loved him in in Mask and uh-huh. I I remember the a year later and also the trailer the the TV trailer. For Shakedown had um, Jimi Hendrix's Purple Haze, and you figure I was like ten years old, and like I don't think I ever heard Purple Haze until I saw it on that commercial, and uh, it was in that trailer, and it—that's really kind of like one of the times that I remember just like 
really feeling in, in love with a song and I didn't yeah. know what it was. I couldn't Google it. And I remember I had um a, uh, like one of them. Remember back in the day, you would have like just random cassette recorders that you could talk into. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, so I I actually recorded the whole trailer because I loved the song. And you know, years uh-huh. later or however long it took, um, I realized it was Jimi Hendrix "Purple Haze" because like my my parents liked shit music, so they wouldn't even know what the fuck it was. And you know, listen, if you want to do an entire podcast about parents <laughs> and music taste, I have my dad's entire record collection, and I can tell you this right now: it's like he went into a thrift store and went, <laughs> "I'll take all of these. I have a date tonight, and I told her I like records." Yes, I I love his picture in that first small arms dealer too. <laughs> Don't that, get his head too big. Oh man, <laughs> I love. Shout out to Bruce, man, wherever he's at. <laughs> he's a good guy, but he's um, a good guy. Bad, bad taste in music, but a good guy. That guy likes the moody blues, for God's sake. Listen, enough said right there. Um, <laughs> t- t- Jimmy Buffett, too. Don't tell me. No, 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 no. Jimmy Buffett. Vienna Boys Choir? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Jerry and the Pacemakers. Um, okay, cool. So we both love this movie. Same thing with me. Like I grew up loving it uh, because it was just... Uh, I don't know. 87 feels so long ago, but like when you watch it, you're like, oh, this is the future. This is what right. it's going to be. It's like, you're just, I just felt like, I don't know. It just felt like really gray and cold. And uh, I think Paul Verhoeven in general, as a director, like you look at his credits and he has a pretty good idea of what he thinks the future is going to be like. Never mind the fact that one of his things is that he likes when women and men are in changing rooms and showering together mm-hmm. as seen in, um, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Starship Troopers. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I've never seen that. Really? Yeah. Worth it. Worth, worth a watch. The first one. Like, Verhoeven has this, like, idea of the future, and in all of his weird, like, his sci-fi movies have this same, like, ethos to how everything kind of works together. Um, And that's, yeah, that's a lot of it, of, of liking Robocop, comes from the aesthetics and from what they chose to put on screen. Yeah, it's it's amazing, you know, now in 2020 to watch a movie from 87 about the future. You know, it's like one of those things right. like same thing. Like, you know, I told you I was watching that thing you do. This was yeah. a movie made in 96, but it was supposed to be 30 years before that. Days and Confused, another movie that's like from 93 and you watch it in the 70s. This one was a little different because it's it's older, but it's supposed to be in the future. And watching it in 2020, I'm like, yeah, none of that seems real, <laughs> except for this pandemic. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I watched that movie and I go, this could happen at any day. <laughs> I don't know. Man. Any day. You know. Especially RoboCop 2, where there's future drugs you shoot to your neck. <laughs> that... I, 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 do you remember 3? Because I sure as fuck don't even remember 3. I do. I do. I used to hate 3. I come around to it as being... One, a way to sell toys. And two, it's got this really great like undercurrent of a story about Robocop joining separatists from a fascist fascist like overlord dictator of the US. So like Yeah, so I don't I barely I'm sure I saw it, but I think by this time, um, you know, I I was probably just like angry and skateboarding somewhere doing drugs. Um, I don't <laughs> hey, exa- listen. <laughs> me i hadn't gotten there yet i was just ready for robocop every day yeah. <laughs> robocop and ghostbusters just every day i just mainline them yes and so. it, it had to be so that was 87 to probably like 89 90 so this i actually think robocop 3 might have been like 93 so i was definitely on my way to 
just something different. But I remember no Peter Weller. I know Nancy Allen was still in it. Um, but yeah, man. Kurtwood Smith. You're missing Kurtwood Smith as Clarence Boddicker? He was Red in, Foreman? He was, wait. No, no, no. I'm saying for three. Oh, for three? No. Nancy Allen was in it, yes. Yeah, she was Peter in it. Peter Weller was not in it. No. No. It was some new guy who does not look good in the outfit. No. But uh, so let's go through these questions. So for, for me, the uh, first one, you know, uh, favorite character from RoboCop. I'm going to say uh, the man you just mentioned, uh, Kurtwood, a.k.a. Clarence J. He is my favorite character of RoboCop because he is such a motherfucker. Um, he is. I think he just spits blood on people more than once, which is awesome. And uh, he is unapologetically a fucking angry douche criminal. And um, he's definitely what makes like you could feel like his crew is is dangerous kind of. But he's the like everyone just when he comes in, everyone like shuts the fuck up and lets him do his thing, which is funny because he's really not intimidating looking whatsoever. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, according to a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. All of the, a lot of the stuff that Clarence did or Kurtwood Smith did in the movie is is improv. Wow. A lot of it, the, the script was really loose going into it, and they let him do a lot of the stuff. You know, like the the part with the the cocaine in the in the big big warehouse. Yep. And he, uh, he says the Dodgers are playing tonight, or the Tigers are playing tonight. You know, and like sniffs from the uh, oh from the wine, wine glass. glass yeah like yeah <laughs> that's completely you know ad-libbed like okay Clarence Boddicker was Kurt Kurtwood Smith made that character without Kurtwood Smith there wouldn't be that character that's like one of the best bad guys in an 80s action movie absolutely I that's why because I... he's wienery but he also like knows where he stands in the chain of things and mm-hmm. knows that he's pretty untouchable <laughs> which so. which is why definitely my favorite character uh, I don't know what yours is um I mean, we're gonna go with the guy Robocop. Like, I love that guy. <laughs> but if I were to, if I were, to, if we're taking Robocop off the table at this point, um, I also would go with um, Miguel Ferrer oh, as love... Morton. <clears throat> yeah, because he's he's great. He's the, the classic '80s cocky coming up businessman. You know, I love him in in everything he he does. Like, I, I like. I don't know. I, I every movie he's in, fucking, I'm just like, I love oh, this yeah, fucking douchebag. He 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 has a through part in Twin Peaks that's really great. He's it's it's, it's sad that he died. But yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I was a really great character actor. Yeah. Um, Ray Wise is like if you look at the if you look at the um list of like the goons in the in like the um gang, like you got Ray Wise who again Twin in, Peaks. Yeah. And is this great, just big character actor. You got to get these character actors in there. People don't realize that anymore. They're not that great. Anymore. And he has a, a, a total look, especially now. Um, he was in one of my favorite movies. that was so under the radar, uh, but he was in a movie called Dead End. Did you ever watch that okay. one with Lynn Shedd? No, I don't think so. Man, that's a great movie um, and uh, very underrated I remember watching it. Uh, just it's one of those things that once you start uh, scrolling through like your um, Netflix or whatever the fuck it's on, you'll see that cover and you're like, ah, yes, I've scrolled past this many a time. <laughs> it probably is. I was uh, wondering that last night. I was scrolling through a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, I wonder how many of these movies I've seen or not seen or think I've seen because I've seen the title so much. Yes. Um, okay, so you got RoboCop and uh, for least favorite character. Yeah. You know what's funny? I don't have one. 
Yeah, no, for this movie? What, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, the the least favorite character in RoboCop, that's like picking picking the best of the worst. Like, yeah, no there best. was no one in the movie. No, either. everybody's doing their job. Everybody came to the table. Everybody made you realize that RoboCop's the coolest thing in this world. Yeah. You know, like... Everybody did their part in that that movie to make that movie fantastic, and it still holds up and it's fantastic. Even uh, what was that the the fucking chief of police, the black dude that always yells in every movie? That guy's fantastic. Yeah, I love that dude. <laughs> right? He was like, wasn't he doing the same shit in like fucking Last Action Hero and like I? He, yeah, he was one of those guys where his job was to be a cop in movies and, and yell. To yell. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, you also have the the other thing about. Um, about RoboCop that's really cool is the fact that it's it really is a subversive movie and it's trying it's trying to show you how ridiculous the media is and how ridiculous we are about protecting ourselves and how crime is ridiculous in its own way like it's it's a perfect it's a perfect little like sci-fi what if where it makes you think about other things other than just the hyperviolence, even though the hyperviolence is fantastic. It is pretty hyperviolence for sure. Um, <laughs> which brings me to the third question out of the five, uh, which is best scene, favorite scene for me um, as a kid, going back to when I first watched it. Um, this is, you know, uh, you, you take Clarence and Robocop when they finally see each other again and he arrests them. But before he does, he throws them through like 80 glass windows. Yeah. <laughs> and even still, I Dick Jones. and even still, you know, Clarence just spits blood on his fucking like face. And, uh, it's just such a, like when you're a kid, you always, you're rooting for, for the good guy. Um, right. And he finally gets his hand on this person who ruined his life. And, uh, you know, rewatching it, that scene still meant a lot to me. So what what's your favorite scene from the movie? Um, I've got two, okay. I guess. Um, you've got the first initial scene with the ED, EG-209 um, acting wrong, where the guy throws away the gun and he still gets blown to bits on the yes, table. Yes, yes. In the conference room. Yes, he got blown. Which again, in the Criterion edition, or I think any edition at this point, is the director's cut. I don't think they changed it anymore. I think it's still there, where you get like the thirty extra seconds of gore in that scene, or it's like squibs akimbo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but my real favorite scene in that movie is when um, Emil gets put through the toxic waste vat. Yep. In the van, and then comes out, and he's in the middle of the roots. <laughs> Very, very, so same year, but very street trash. Yes. You know? Both <laughs> Which is like, if you like that scene from Robocop, you're street yes, trash. Yes, totally. You like this? Do you like this in like two minutes? Absolutely. I got a movie for you. I got an entire movie for you. He looked like he walked off that set and went right, because it was both 87, which is funny. Um, yeah, that is funny. <laughs> so that brings me to question number four, which I... I'm going with what you just said. So best kill or best death scene for me, Emil, same thing. He um, is a kid. It was either that or, or the, of course the guy who fucking got shot in the dick, but that wasn't really a death scene, but it was just so, <laughs> it was so. No, that's just a scene in this movie. Yeah. That's the funny thing about RoboCop. <laughs> it's a guy getting shot in the dick for trying to rape somebody is just a scene in a montage of scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, but yeah, so for me, like like you just mentioned, it's being young and uh, seeing enough horror movies, even by then, 
you see this guy's face and it's like melting. It was pretty oh, fucking yeah. jarring. He's making that weird howling sound. Yeah, and Ray Wise walks by. You're just like, oh my god. He's like, get the fuck yeah, off. Me. Me. <laughs> um. So, so best good. best. And death. he splatters all over that the windshield. Oh, yeah, you, you can tell that it's chef's kiss. Chef's so kiss for you. Uh, best kill, best death scene. Um. I mean, we could go. We could tread over that area that we treaded on already. Um, but we could also talk about Alex Murphy's death scene. Yes, that's that was my where, second choice. Where you know you've got these guys that are laughing and playing with him the whole time, and it's like there's something sick and twisted about that that really gets to your core. Yeah, where they could they 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 don't kind of shy away from the from the gore in that one, the but they could, and you would still have the same feeling. Mm. You it, know. I, I, I totally that was my second choice. Glad glad you mentioned it. Like when his hand gets blown off, like right, right. and they're laughing and it's like, you know, this is like fifteen minutes into the movie. You're like, I don't even understand what's happening. How like I guess right. they killed him. <laughs> what's uh, funny is that was the last scene that they filmed in the movie. So then they knew that the blood budget was going to be out of control on that scene. So they filmed it last so they could keep getting they could keep adding on to the to the um, budget because nobody wants to have a movie without this main scene filmed. So they needed to film it. So they filmed it at the end and just kind of kept going and ramping it up as hard as hard as they could. That's amazing. I didn't know. It's that. really really interesting. Like when he's when he's um on the on his knees and about to get shot in the head, it's all animatronic. Yes, um, because I I mean on the rewatch I noticed like you could tell like the difference in his face. Um, yeah, right before the camera pans to the back of him, right, um, and it's it's super it's super good. Um, it's a super good example of just um, practical effects working like practical effects should. Absolutely, I mean you can't say enough about the practical effects in that movie. But uh, right, no, that's why, and that's why the remake also didn't work is there weren't any practical effects in it, and they went into the story of hey, let's go into the story of how. Robocop feels about his life being not there. And it's like, guess what? Guess what nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got a character called Robocop. You want to see him killing people and shooting dudes in the dick. You don't want to see him pining for his wife, really. No, because it didn't really go anywhere. And it was like, no. I mean, I get it. They, you know, you got a crowbar in there. Oh, it's for... there. And it's there enough. And it's, there, it's enough. In there enough. So, yeah, you yeah. Ha- so he has that, that, that grounding in humanity. Yes. But it's not overplayed. No. It's just there enough. So brings us to the last one. Is this a perfect movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> this I, is absolutely a perfect movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Be, because the follow-up question would have been like, if, if you know, what scene would you take away to not, you know, to to make it perfect? But um, I would add more scenes. <laughs> yeah. Is is there another cut of it? No, there used to be just a director's cut that had the more gore in it, but I think at this point the director's cut is just the cut that is on blu-ray or whatever okay well, i mean the arrow the arrow release of it that came out earlier this year or was it this year yeah this year um states it's the director's cut but i think that that's only the only one you'll find anymore all right now that we could stop you know agreeing on shit let's go to natural okay, born, natural born killers um uh, after re-watching it again uh and you were messaging me how much not fun you were having the whole time i'm thinking like because i i watched like the end of like the last hour again just so i can get like more of like that feel um i still love it i um i remember 
So you figure maybe my connection to it. So I was 16 and 94. I'm assuming okay. you were probably like four, 13, 14. Yeah, I was 14. Yeah. Okay. Um. So by this time, I was already like I was just wildin'. I was wildin', and and my life was just like I identified not that I killed anyone, but it was just like I like that chaos. And by 16, my life was just a lot of fun and a lot of chaos. And I like. And how do you feel about that time in your life now? How do I feel about that time in my life now? Uh, it depends. Some of it made me who I am, which which I like, which yeah, uh, you know, thick skin, uh, not a gigantic pussy that's offended by everything, um, but still mindful enough to be a normal human being. Um, but just watching this movie for me, um, you know, and we drew the parallels. At least I did in my head to like what fucking Rob Zombie was going for in the third movie we're going to cover. Like, I'm thinking this is the better version of of Three from Hell. Um, it it kind of is, honestly. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking that when I was watching it too. I was like, oh, this is where that shit came from. Yeah, just completely weird. Um, but you yeah, know, it's 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 a story about these two violent people, but it. In a weird way, it's still a love story, and uh, the way it's presented, it's almost like this like pop culture vomit, um, and it has uh, I don't know, it has like everything evil, uh, but then like a little bit <coughs> trace of good, like like you're supposed to almost hang on to the love that you have for each other, even though they cause so much chaos. Um, but what is it about this movie that you hated? <laughs> just let me know <laughs> just, oh, you're supposed to love them you're supposed to try what is it about this movie that you hate what's wrong yeah with you? i mean <laughs> to me it's just like you gave me like i i'm a sucker for um you know violence and nudity and uh just crime and i like i was <laughs> I, I i wasn't expecting like the godfather um and uh <laughs> I don't know. They, like, I still watch it, and it's entertaining. And and it seems like, like I know Tarantino hated it. Yep. Um, yep. Like he that was walked... a big reason why <laughs> yeah. I ended up not liking <laughs> it afterwards. Um, but for some reason, like, still, even you know, once Hulu, I added it. I'm just like in there again. The soundtrack bangs, but in a nutshell, <laughs> just, just all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so this goes back to the thing we said earlier before, when a movie is a movie and it's just trying to tell a story it's fine when it's trying to tell you something else and happen and and horribly fails at it then it's failing as a movie <laughs> what do you think this it's trying to tell you is trying to tell you that there's an over sensationalization of of uh serial killers and there's a media world that's that's obsessed with them and that they're really just weird people who are raised weird so that's what made them angry and upsetting and but there's good guys on both sides of it with the tom sizemore character <laughs> like, gagnetti well his career was the movie might have been and like the thing is, is the movie is so like filmmaking one-on-one -on, -one on how to make a movie that is a little bit quote-unquote twisted Yes. Like it's Dutch angle the movie. Every 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 scene in that movie has a Dutch angle in it. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Oh, a Dutch angle is when the camera is tilted slightly. Yes. All right. Every single scene when Mickey or Mallory are on screen, when other characters who are getting to be twisted are on screen, all of a sudden the camera starts going to that 
Dutch angle, real world angle. You know, remember everything on the real world originally was all shot in that weird like sideways where everything was a little bit twisted. Yeah. <laughs> and but but to me, like I I enjoy like maybe my life at that point like. You know, like, I don't know, like I probably watched it on drugs and I was probably, you know, allegedly selling drugs and and just being like I was like on an, a different planet. So that movie kind of like spoke to me on that level where I thought like, you know, maybe at 16, maybe I, I did have like delusions but of, it's, of crime grandeur, you know, it's OK to like something like this when you're 16. I liked it when I was 14 or 15. Yeah, I liked it probably up until I was 20 or something of that matter, you know, because you do you kind of. Um, you kind of relate, quote, quote unquote, to the main characters or whatever, and you 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 see them as these uh, this like extreme voyeur version of yourself or whatever. Sure. But at the same time, when you get older than sixteen to twenty, <laughs> you have to look back <laughs> at it and go, "Hey, wow, that really had no no actual <laughs> grasp on reality whatsoever." No the people who would be influenced by these characters are definitely people I don't want to hang out with her. You, you're completely right. And and I get that. But I think it flipped now when I watch it as something that's just, um, you know, I, I like and really like it's funny when I put the parallel together with a lot of what Rob Zombie was doing, like a lot of those like, uh, you know, 1950s like inserts that he does. A lot of there these... are over three thousand cuts in yeah. this movie <laughs> yeah do you know how many cuts are in a regular movie like three <laughs> 600 maybe five to 600 yeah yeah man <laughs> like like it was as if um oliver stone was like yeah all right i got this in every scene we've got to have a black and white shot we also have to have a one color shot also when the person says something we could cut it again it was it's a music video it was a music <laughs> video it was a music video, and, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I like movies that feel that way my whole life. That's why I thought Five Hundred Days of Summer was great. Mark, I think Mark Webb did a great job. Like any director that makes a movie that feels like a music video, like Baby Driver, like stuff like that. Like I, there's difference between a soundtrack movie and a movie that looks like a music video. Like Michael Bay movies look like music videos. Oh well, that's just. <laughs> outrageous <laughs> let's let's not throw him in there do you think oliver stone has ever made a good movie i guess jfk might still be good i don't know <laughs> i'm not going back to watch that because <laughs> you know what gets a lot of heat now too is scarface and scarface is a movie well that... he only wrote scarface oh he didn't, he didn't uh, oh brian de palma that's right yeah, yeah. and yeah, i don't yeah. even think he liked it did he no i don't think so i mean oliver stone in the 90s was a guy that like was like he's the proto Tarantino in a way for sure almost. maybe yeah, yeah you know where where he was this guy who everybody saw as like the bad boy of cinema or whatever like what's he been doing <laughs> where's he been I don't know. <laughs> uh, like the other thing about this movie why does why does um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character have an Australian accent. <laughs> A very loose Australian Yo, accent. No reason whatsoever. Just like why did John Voight and Anaconda have an accent? Like what was the point? Like there was no point. He could have been anything. Well, what? I think in Anaconda it was to tell you that John Voight was the bad guy. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> like it was just like why does he or even like when we're talking about Scarface, 
every time I watch Scarface as a kid, like Scarface is ba- basically like my stepdad. That's how many times I watched it as a kid. Um, uh-huh. But for someone who speaks Spanish like me, I'm thinking like, how does this guy, Tony Montana, have a Spanish accent yet says he can't talk Spanish in the movie? Right. right I'm just right. like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, how'd no, they, no, how'd they get away no. with that? Like, it's like, I have a Spanish accent, but I don't speak Spanish. Like, that right, makes right. zero sense. But <laughs> I let, uh, put it on, you know? <laughs> let's, let's, do, let's do these five questions on Natural Born, um, okay. especially for you because you don't like it. So do you have a favorite character? I do. I okay. do. It's, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, come on. Tommy Lee Jones? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Yeah. How good is he in this? I think he's good in this because he's the only actor in this movie that read the script and was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to act the way that the script is. Ridiculous. Yo, so ridiculous. And you want to know my favorite fucking scene with him is when um, the, the, the CEO is talking to him. He's like, yo, he's like, Mickey and Mal- Mallory escaped. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, and Skagnetti's dead. And he's like, well, all right. <laughs> Like, yeah, he was just like, eh. Like, but his facial expression like sold it so oh, he, fucking much. That's the thing. He he's he's um he's full of energy throughout his entire performance. Yeah, and it's this frantic kinetic energy that is part of the editing of the movie, is part of the the script of what for some reason was written down to film, and like he gets it, and I think he's the only one on on set that got it. Everyone else was like, "Yo, this is a real serious movie, guys." <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. We got we we, we got to tag him in this post. Um, for me, it, it's it's Robert Downey Jr., Wayne Gale, because even even with the the accent. Well, he, the- here's the thing. Aside from the accent, what I like about his character is that he is fucking bananas. Like he's so ridiculous when he hugs that black guy who's like sweeping, and he's just like this like total shitbag snake. Um, right. that you like, you want him to die so bad when he starts shooting the cops at the end and he's doing his thing. And, but I think he just, I don't know, just the best character in the movie for sure. And second would have been Tommy Lee Jones because it just, man, like his facial expressions. And once again, the CEO or the, the, the warden in, yeah. in fucking three from hell totally could have been fucking Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, no. Uh, when we get there, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get It'll there. Just be a lot of me sighing and banging my head on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so um, I, I just, I, I don't understand. Like, like Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Yeah, he's a great actor. He can bring things to the table, but it's just like he's like, oh, I'm going to do this with an Australian accent, and nobody was like, well, you can't really do one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think in a batshit movie, he he just went, you know, took the the role and just. Uh, I love that. I also like, just again, I want to say that maybe it's a batshit movie to you, but what I watched was a very, very frail movie. <laughs> oh yeah, to me it was just like pure madness. Like to me it was like you you take shrooms and you watch this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, see that's not the quality for a good movie though. Yeah, I don't know. I if you it. need drugs to watch the movie, the movie is not good. <laughs> you know. Next thing you're going to tell me, the Grateful Dead's terrible. Is that what you're going to tell me? Yeah, I know. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Um, so, who is your least favorite character in this movie? Um, Tom Sizemore, the Skagnetti character. Skagnetti on Skagnetti. <laughs> that, that guy seemed like. And while they were writing the script for the movie, they were like, well, we should have a cop that's evil. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he should be super evil. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Who are we going to get it? 
the guy that overacts being super evil every time he's super evil in something. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, that his career, like he went from there to like the relic and, you know, uh, saving Private Ryan. And then yeah. after that, he was just making like sex tapes with like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, essentially Tom Sizemore played Tom Sizemore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and he looked exactly like Joe Consiglio in this movie. So shout out to him. <laughs> uh, my least favorite character is, is a cameo. Um, and it's for the most amazing reasons. So it's ba- uh, Balthazar Getty who um, runs into uh, uh, Mallory, and Mallory is just kind of, maybe she just wants to get back at Mickey. So he, uh, she's like trying to get this dude to like eat her out. And this guy, right. instead of just, you know, taking the gift that uh, he was given, he was just like, holy shit, you're Mallory Knox, you're Mallory Knox. And, uh, right. you know, instead of just like riding the wave and just kind of like, you know, keeping your mouth shut and doing your thing, he, uh, he got got. Uh, two Jane's addictions. Ted just admit it, which is a great addition to that. But he's my least favorite character. I mean, he is pointless. He is pointless. Yeah, he was in there for like, <laughs> to like just a second. I'm like, oh shit. Listen, I can make an edit of this movie that is 45 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> the same message. Will come let me through. ask. Let me ask Kristen what she thinks. Yeah. Um, okay, so number three. Well, the official the official ruling of the Andalfo household is this is not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, it, do you have a best scene for this movie? If I have a best scene in this movie, whew. I mean, the prison riot in general is is done well. It doesn't need so many insert shots. It doesn't need so many cutaways. It doesn't need so many edits. But itself is shot well, okay. um, especially the ending scene. Yeah. The final scene works out really well. Yeah. Um, again, though, like just the message that's being brought across in this movie is just like, <laughs> okay, I don't care. So, I just don't care. Like that's not how the world works. This is not how. When you get older and you realize how things work, it's not like, yeah, fine, you can like this movie, but at the same time, you have to realize how absurd it is. Oh, and how absurd it is to think that these characters are worth looking at as figureheads. Okay, <laughs> then I'm I'm not there because I'm sure that there's some you know, uh, 38 year old you know uh, shopping at Hot Topic right now that's probably way more into this movie than they should be. Uh, I, I watch it knowing that it's a movie that's unbelievably absurd. Right. I'm just saying, like, if you walk up to somebody and they're like, "Hey, what's a movie you really like?" and if the first thing out of your fucking mouth is Natural Born Killers, you got a problem. <laughs> okay, I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll go with my my favorite scene of the movie. Um, and this is to to talk to your point because I know you're gonna love this. Um, where where um, uh, Wayne Gale, Robert Downey Jr. is talking to. He gets his his interview, and he's talking to um, uh, Mickey, and uh, I think he's trying to make some deep points, you know, about like serial killers and all this other shit. Now, oh, that crap ass scene. But oh, what God. I like about it. Where he tells him that love conquers the demon. Yes. And, oh, but what I like about it is Tommy Lee Jones's face during the whole time that he's just like, oh, shut the fuck up in his head. Right. Because even he realizes that the dialogue <laughs> of this movie is fucking ridiculous. Yes. But also, I like Robert Downey Jr. because he's such a fucking slob. That he's just sitting there, like snorting lines of this stuff because he knows that it's going to get ratings. He's talking, you know, right. he he gives him what he wants, and that to me, 
and then there was like a lot of that is the one note of that one note character, correct? Yes, and there's a lot of like the 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 cuts and edits in that scene worked because it was um I don't know, it just worked. A lot of the imagery, it was just so um I don't know, it just worked a lot for me and uh but it's just it really the the scumminess and and the sensationalism that is Robert Downey Jr. mixed in with um <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones's face like are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> His face sells it though, man. It's so good. <laughs> so that's that's for me. Um, all right, all right. Okay, you can have it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so f- number four, best use of a song in the movie. I don't have an answer for you, man. Okay, I got one. <laughs> I hated every single musical cue in this. Movie. Really? So you don't even like the soundtrack? No. Wow. Okay. Don't even like the soundtrack. Right. Like very, it, it's very definitely not a soundtrack movie. It's definitely not a soundtrack movie. So despite what people will tell you, it is I not used to listen movie. to it all the time. We have the. Same I mean, it's a movie that has a soundtrack, yes. But is it a movie wherein the soundtrack fits the mood and the style of the scene that it is portrayed in? No. Well, I'll pick mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Nine Inch Nails, something I could never have. Um, somewhere along the time that they go, Mickey and Mallory go to. Um, it's used twice. It's used, it's used twice. twice. So the first time yeah. that it's used, I love it because I have taken drugs before and I've taken acid and hallucinogenics, and uh, it was such a it's such a dark piano song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the imagery, like the 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 morphing of the faces, um, and that stuff, I love it. It's definitely my 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 pick for best use. Um, you, you see how most of your favorites are based on when you took drugs beforehand to watch this movie. <laughs> Hey, I man. just want to just show you the, 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 the line that's coming up here. Yeah, I'm just saying, not mad at that. Not mad at that. And uh, <laughs> last question. Um, what could have saved this movie for you? Um, if they didn't try to rewrite a Tarantino script or a Tarantino story. Because the the like the, the dialogue ends up being shitty Tarantino dialogue. Like, um, Mr. Zombie's... <laughs> <laughs> to do. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's this thing it's this problem where when people try to ape the dialogue of quentin tarantino it doesn't work out it just does not work out for you because you're not as smart as he is and you're not as good at writing as he is yeah so you can't take another person's writing style and, and dialogue style and just plop it into your movie and think it'll work. No, it just doesn't work. He's um, very good. If at this that. had its own real, like if this was played, not so uh, quote unquote, again, twisted, <laughs> it would be a better movie. Is that twisted? With be a Z? Better movie. What? Is that yeah. Tw- with a Z, there's a Z in there. There's, there's definitely a Z in there. <laughs> <laughs> and like probably some clown makeup on it. I uh, like, that's the thing. Like, I get it. I get what they're going for, and I, I get, I get what Alarson is going for with all of this. What year but did you come to this time, conclusion? Yeah, it, it could have just been a normal. If they had filmed this like you filmed JFK or whatever, probably would have been into it more. But I'm saying, what year did you come to the realization? Like one day, and you're like twenty, you're like twenty five, and you watch it, and you're like, you it's know, kind of, it's not really like a day or a time or like a place. You know? <laughs> It's like that day where you like just wake up and you're like, do I want to watch Donnie Darko? Yeah. No, that movie's stupid. Yeah. No. <laughs> so like, I'll see Natural Born Killers on like a thing and on a, on a thing and be like, do I want to watch that? And I'm like, wait a second, 
And like I go through a checklist in my head of like why I remember it and what it was good for, what I remember what it was good for. I'm like, none of that stuff is really good anymore. I don't, I don't care about that. I, I had that realization recently where I listened to Def Leppard's Hysteria. And I was like, yeah, you sorry. know what? I'm like, I don't know if I like this album anymore. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like it just, I, I don't know. Pour some sugar in me. It's just not hitting me the way it used to. <laughs> but um, I have an opposite of that story though. Oh, okay. Is I thought that A Clockwork Orange was that way. And I had put off watching it for years because I thought I was like, you know, when I was a kid, A Clockwork Orange was really cool. But sure. like now that I'm older, I understand that that's stupid and whatever. But because it's Kubrick and I happen to have a really nice copy of it, I decided to watch it. Um, and I got so much more out of it being older and understanding the full circle of the movie and what the movie is trying to say. Um, uh, and not just, um, being focused on the hyperviolence and all that stuff of it, you know, that's interesting. I, it's been so, a while since I watched it. Exactly. Like that's one of those movies where I went back and watched it and I was like, oh yeah, this actually is a good movie with a good message behind it. And it does, it is saying something and this, and it does get delivered. I mean, if somebody told me again, if I walked up to somebody and said, Hey, what's your favorite movie or what's a movie that you want me to watch right now? And they said, a clockwork orange, I'd be like, you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just, you don't just throw that one out to somebody. Right, like, you wouldn't so. do that with video drum either. You, no. you don't go like, Hey, what do you want to watch tonight? Video drum? Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I, I might have to rewatch that. It's, it's been a while since, since I have, uh, whatever you say, romper stopper. Yeah, no, I'm not watching <laughs> that movie. <laughs> what, was, what, was the, what was the thing that, that you and my friend Josh were talking about where he thought uh, Clarence... Um... Oh, so the story behind the story of this movie is that this whole movie was written by Quentin Tarantino, but it was it was part of the like script for True Romance where Clarence in True Romance was writing um, a comic book or a movie, and that was the characters of Mickey and Mallory or whatever okay, and what they were doing. So it was like a story inside a story. Oh, that's cool. I love, I love Easter eggs like that. Yeah. And then it was basically taken out to make true romance because Tarantino was offered to get true romance financed or whatever. And then this story was basically just sitting there and it was taken and used. And famously Tarantino was like, this is terrible. I don't want, don't know why you were putting my name on this. (laughs) all right, all right, that's cool. I like that. Good, good story. Um, so let's do the last movie. Um, but I got a my garage band only goes to sixty three minutes. So let me just uh arm another track. Uh, just be on hold by. I'll, I'll stand by for a minute. So, um, awesome. So we're still torn on that, but that brings us to a movie. Uh, like, you know, I'm not, I like to tell you how you wrap it up. It's we're still torn on that. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I'm not torn. I'm, I'm fully <laughs> where I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, we're, we're still, I, I didn't change your mind. You didn't change mine. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just say I changed your mind. We'll move on with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but going to, you know, I, I have this thing where I hate shitting on Rob Zombie because I feel like so many people do it. So he's not disabled. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Um, that's the thing. Like, I'd feel bad 
making fun of the guy if he didn't just make movies that are just terrible <laughs> at all times. You, so you didn't like um, House or Devil's Rejects? Devil's Rejects is the only good movie he's made. And even that is a bite of a completely different movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, I like I don't hate his shit. Like I I thought the Halloween movies were unbelievably atrocious, but once you take away the Halloween title, like they're pretty watchable. Um Yeah. I, yeah I guess. White Horse is watchable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I'm not horse. Yo, I, I remember going to see that White Horse in the movie theaters and like you ever go see a movie and just get angry halfway mm-hmm. through. <laughs> It happened to me with the Dark Tower because I love the Dark Tower book series so much. Yeah, and the movie is just like fuck you if you like that. Oh. <laughs> like I remember Kristen and I just like punching our chairs while we were watching that movie. Yeah, I mean that's what it, I was just. You know what it was because like the, I hated that remake so much that for some reason I'm like let me go see the second one. I, I don't know. I just as 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 a true horror fan, I, I I feel like I need to watch it just to make sure that I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I just went and watched it, and like I'm like halfway through this, I'm like, "What the fuck is going on in this movie right, right. now? Why is there a right. horse?" Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, and like the the Halloween two, that whole like the first thirty minutes of that movie is a is a is a dream. I, you know, I, which is the worst thing to do in the beginning of a movie. I hate when that happens in movies when they're like, "Here's something really cool and awesome that's happening." Oh, it's a dream, just so you know. I don't like the, like the the sound effects on the hits and the smack. Like, you know, I don't like that he looks like he's in Slipknot. Uh, I don't like <laughs> that he fucking like he plays the gar the, he plays the uh, garbage cans with the spikes <laughs> on them. I believe it. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it's the guy from uh, from Slipknot. He plays the garbage cans, and he's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. You know, but uh, all right. So we're talking about Three from Hell. Um, Unfortunately, I've seen it twice. And, oh Jesus uh, Christ! The, I, so the first time I watched it, you know, because Shutter added it, and uh, I and I the nerve of some people. I know some people that told me that this is one of the best horror movies of last year. And I was like, they should be shamed. They should be <laughs> like publicly shamed. Yeah. I'm going to dox them as soon as we we get off this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but it just, I just, I don't know. Like, I wish they were here so they could defend themselves because it. <laughs> no, because the way that they would defend themselves is, well, Rob Zombie tried real hard. That's what I get anytime I say something bad about a Rob Zombie movie. Somebody says, well, you know, he's doing the best with what he can. And it's like, maybe that's not good. Well, that's how I feel about Eli Roth. I feel like Eli Roth (laughs) at least comes from a genuine fan perspective. I feel like Eli Roth is a better filmmaker than Rob Zombie. Uh, Yes. And I don't really like any of Eli Roth's movies. No, but I will (laughs) say uh, to what we talked about before, I feel like Rob Zombie makes music videos. Yeah, and occasionally, like they turn into movies, um, because the, the best parts of of the movies feel like a music video, and then the rest of the movie. Was... After, after watching, uh, after rewatching Natural Born Killers, I feel like he puts on Natural Born Killers on one TV, <laughs> he takes a Chainsaw Massacre on on another TV, uh, and... and then just sits there with his eyes closed and listens for words, and then types them out. Uh, <laughs> what about the most important comparison, which is? Aside from natural born killers, fucking young guns. Like that's basically <laughs> like that it's the mixture of those two fucking movies. Like, like oh god. Um I, it's just I mean, I thought 
right, so we'll stick to three from hell. We won't do his whole ouvoir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought at 31, when he, the the beginning of that movie, when the the guy did his whole speech, mm-hmm. and it's the speech that like being churned out of a person who has seen 13 Quentin Tarantino movies, Natural Born Killers, and is again a little bit twisted <laughs> telling you everything that's going on. I was like, this has got to be the worst thing that he's ever written. This has got to be it. And then this Hold my comes beer. Out. Hold my vegan <laughs> yeah. beer. And like, here I am thinking like, you know, like I went into this movie fully expecting it to be good. It was before anybody had really said anything about it. It was like, it was just online. So I, I watched it. I was really excited because again, I really do like the Devil's Rejects. Yeah. I don't like his other movies. I don't even like House of a Thousand Corpses, but I do like Devil's Rejects, it, which it, has pound for pound the best movie and ending of any of his movies sure. or any or a lot of other horror movies in general. Fantastic ending. How do you follow up that fantastic ending with nothing actually happening to them? Yeah, <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> it's fine. When, oh, but they're a little bit more twisted. When did you? But they're fine. I realize, like, sometimes when I watch a movie, it, it takes 30, 40 minutes where I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is going to get any better. I, I'm talking about within the first, like, three minutes, I'm like, this is not going to be good. This is just so yeah. fucking bad. Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. I don't know why, like, poor Sid Haig is, like, doing these monologues. Of, just dying. Just He's yeah. dying and talking <laughs> for Rob Zombie. <laughs> Like it just sounded like they like t- they asked you know Charles Manson for like a demo of his like ramblings that didn't make it on real ramblings, <laughs> and he was just. Or they asked the guy who was down in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard and ranting. They were like, yeah. "Can you come in and say stuff?" <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, it you just, know, like... I, it was like uh, I, it was a chore. It was a chore the first time. Uh, to the point where I'm like, okay, this is just so bad. And then when we decided that we were going to talk about it, I'm like, let me watch it again. Let me just try to pick something good from it. Um, so you know, let let's move forward with with the uh, the five questions here. Uh, I'd also like to point out that Cherry Moon Zombie has top billing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> top billing. Yo, I don't have her on any of my my list. So let's just start with her real quick because she. <laughs> It was almost like I feel like they got into a fight through the whole movie, and she was like, "I'm going to ruin your movie." <laughs> no, I don't. I disagree. I believe that that's exactly how Rob Zombie wanted it to happen. No. Because, and that's you know when you were saying the point where you turn back and you, you go, "This movie's not going to get any better." The second she shows up on the screen and starts rambling, oh. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it just. It, it, she... Oh, so bullets made you crazier? Cool. Cool, cool plot point. I like that. Yes, I and I like the uh, the acknowledgement somewhere in the middle where you know Otis is like, yeah, there's something off with her, <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, yeah. okay, all right, I get it, yeah, for sure, because she, yo, it's it's genuinely, I can't think of a worse character or worse execute. Like she, she was so bad that I didn't even add her to my list because I'm like, I can't even. <laughs> There's nothing. She's not even in my least character. She's like, I'm just like you. Just took this movie, and I don't know what you did. Like you were, just, you weren't even in the movie. You might as well have been like a blooper reel, like that was mixed into the movie. 
<laughs> you're like an obsessed fan who joined yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna hang out here. Um, and... and like the whole idea behind it is, I guess, because they've been locked up and have been shot and come back to life, and like we're locked up, that they're all a little bit crazier from spending that time in jail, so they all have to be crazier. But like. <laughs> You would dial it up maybe 5% more. <laughs> Every character is dialed up to at least fifteen to 20,000% more. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you this. I, for for first one, favorite character, I, yeah. I love Bill Mosley. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Otis, I, I think Bill Mosley, besides this character and Chop Top, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You mean the same character. Go ahead. Uh, Not really. Not really. <laughs> but, no, uh, no, no. Same character to me. Uh, <laughs> that's because you're racist. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> I see all white people as white people. <laughs> totally, <laughs> but um, it just—he was—he's great. I think he's—he delivers the lines. I feel like he's actually acting in a fucking movie, and I—I uh, I think he did a really good job. So, as far as favorite character uh, in, in this movie, he gets it from me. I don't know who you have. Yeah, no, it would be him too. Like, because he's the only again, like, like um, he's the only one in a um, movie. Yeah, he's the he's the only one who read the script and was like, "All right, this is what I got to do." Huh? All right. It's it's the same thing with Tommy Lee Jones. He read the script and he was like, "All right, I'll do this." Bill Mosley showed up on set and was like, "Yeah, no, like, I got this. Yeah. I got this. No one else did." Yeah, exactly. no one else seems to know what they're doing. And Sid Haig is dying over there, yeah. but like, uh-huh. let's go. I guess. <laughs> this is the only work I'm getting. So, all right, let's let's go to number two. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll tell you. By the time we tape this, I'm sure Bill Mosley is wrapped up like ten movies by now. Because <laughs> I guess like, that's true. You IMDb, and there's like movies. He's like Nicolas Cage and Ving Rhames. Like those. Not as much as Di- Di- Danny Trejo. Yeah, this is like over four hundred. <laughs> I don't. I, those those four guys, man. They just, they're out there. Like you, I I could probably get them to act in a, a short <laughs> in the next Playing Dead <laughs> video. I think. Um, two so number two who is the worst character um i'm gonna go with winslow foxworth coltrane which is otis's brother i think this guy (laughs) (laughs) this guy is like it's almost like his dialogue was like i i just can't i can't say enough bad things about this movie (laughs) <laughs> like it's just unfucking real. Like whoever, like when he's like holding the the knife to that black chick, and uh, I mean he's just basically like saying these words for no fucking reason. It's almost like okay, yeah, play that's a because, white trash guy you know with a he's knife. Saying those curses. words because Rob Zombie wrote those words. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the words he was like, yeah, these will be good in my movie, <laughs> and he puts them in there. He's like, cut, then, perfect. Yeah, and then like he wrote this whole other movie, and then he was like, he got on set with Sid Hagen. He's like, "Oh shit, this dude dying. All right, I guess I gotta write this other character in here. Yeah, I'll I just know. give him some some of Chop Top's lines and be good with it." <laughs> I gotta throw in Winslow Foxworth Coltrane. Yeah. I'm also gonna call him Winslow Foxworth Coltrane for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's my least favorite character. I don't know if you're gonna pick Baby. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, no, he is ridiculous. The, the Winslow Foxworth Coltrane dude, ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, um, the warden is ridiculous. Um, the warden's ridiculous. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it Winslow Foxworth Coltrane? <laughs> Again, I just want to make sure we get that name right. Yes. Uh, is it's it's him who orders the clown at night? 
I just for the house. <laughs> the 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 scene of this movie that is going to eventually kill me, like that old Lewis Black joke. I like you know you hear something and eventually it kills you. Yes, <laughs> this is this is uh, this is the scene that's going to kill me eventually. Is the fact that they're all holed up in that house with the, that they've taken from these people, and at night a clown shows up, a party clown, a regular party clown, not a twisted one, a shout regular out, party. Shout clown. out to Clint Howard. Yeah, shows up <laughs> for what reason? Yeah. <laughs> who called the who called the clown? <laughs> if it was the people in the house that called the clown, why'd they call a night clown? Like they're having a night party? <laughs> what kind of clown comes at night? I don't get it. I, I, if the bad guys called the if Mr. Winslow Foxworth Coltrane called the called the clown, how did he get a night clown? He's I, like, Oh, we got a special party we're having for clowns later. I, I have no I love that no matter what makeup you put on Clint Howard, he still looks like Clint Howard. You're like, oh, that's Clint Howard. Like, look, look at his face. <laughs> Listen, I have a 4K remaster of Rock and Roll High School, and you do not want to see Clint uh, Howard. Oh, my God. 4K. You do not want to see him in Funny 4K. Funny enough, the motherfucker was in That Thing You Do. <laughs> Again. He's great. He's well. great. He's a great actor. One of the great brother actors. Um, <laughs> okay, so you got Baby, just because she's... Yeah, no, it's just... just, just... <laughs> Um, now, can I just pick Sherry Moon Zombie in anything? <laughs> I didn't even want to. I, I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm like, I'm not even going to throw you. She was so bad. I was like, I, you don't even count. Um, yeah. So, so number three, uh, what's one nice thing we could say? <laughs> All right. All right. I got mine. I got mine. I got mine. Okay. I got mine. For me, it's like I mentioned before. Um, if you're going to give me trash. Um, give me nudity and give me violence, and at the very least, um, I'm going to basically write it out to the end. But it, but this was a chore. This was still a chore. This was like, this was still a chore. Like, but still, like that. If I he knows his, his Neanderthal audience, which I am, um, and he uh, says, "Fuck it, uh, here's some titties, yeah. here's some pubes, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's some yeah. gore." Yeah. That's Again, it. for the for the people who like natural born killers crap. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Um, I mean, my my favorite, I guess the coolest thing in this movie is the gangsters with uh luchador yes. masks. Yep. Right? Absolutely. We can all agree on that. Pentagram. Like that's definitely the cool thing about this movie. It's completely from left field, doesn't make any sense within the story. And it has literally nothing to do with the rest of the movie. But it's this cool kind of, you know, character that like he thought up after he got out of some kind of Frankenstein zombie dream. Yeah, you know, like he woke up and he's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, a- aesthetically they look great. They show up, you know, they have the pentagram mask. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, okay, this this is cool. You know, it's kind of like when you watch the band Ghost. You're like, okay, like a song's pretty terrible, but uh, you guys look it's really cool. It's <laughs> You guys look really cool. Okay, cool. Um, so last two questions. Uh, best cameo. Now, I got one that this dude is in so much random shit. His name is uh, what is it? Sean Whalen. And yeah. uh, he's you know he meets uh, 
uh, baby as she wants like she went to go get like a soda or something um and she ends up killing him but this motherfucker is randomly in so much shit including that thing you do which we keep bringing up or i do <laughs> um uh, the people under the stairs he was in that really cool slasher movie laid to rest um you might not know the name sean whalen but if you google him those oh yeah no, that face sean and whalen teeth is, is a good character actor he's great. been in a bunch of stuff yeah yeah for sure he uh been on a lot of cool stuff so he's he's my favorite cameo yeah i mean i'm just gonna go with danny trejo being the easiest and obvious one <laughs> yes i just like to see that guy get a paycheck honestly at this point <laughs> i me too just because he genuinely like there's not many people who are celebrities that i'm like oh i i want to meet or want to like shake hands with um he just seems like such a cool dude and uh i would definitely love to one day be like hey man Awesome story, awesome comeback. Uh, you're the man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got just. I checked IMDb right now. He has 401 acting credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 401. And and how many? Like he did real. And fucking... it spans decades, dude. It doesn't. It's not like he just showed up. Dude has been around since at least 1983. But the thing is, is like also like he did he did real time. You know, like, here's, yeah, yeah. here's here's a guy who got a second chance. You know, he got a second chance. He he did, you know, where a lot of people sometimes, um, you know, don't want to give people coming out of prison any opportunity. They they look down on them and they feel like they're, they're monsters instead of people that are, you know, sometimes they do go back and, and just like any normal person, uh, sometimes people come out and they get a second chance. And he's one of those people that did the most with with his second chance. So I love seeing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I forget what director it was. I don't know if it was Paul Schrader or um, somebody else who was like, this guy is the best. You got to have him in movies. And that's how he kept working. He's been a consistent actor since 1983. Well, what happened? Consistent. No breaks. <clears throat> what happened was he, he was a, a sponsor for someone, an AA or something. And yeah. he, I guess somebody called him because they they felt like they were going to use it turned out that the guy was like an actor or like somewhere in the movie business so he shows up to basically you know like whatever sponsors do it's like oh hey listen i'm i'm going to go pick you up and whatever so when he shows up it's in the middle of like a movie set and they're like yo you have an interesting look do you want to be in this movie and that's how an it's... interesting look you're 5 foot 0 <laughs> yeah, and you look crazy <laughs> you're 5 foot 0 and you tattooed and you look fucking especially back then he was probably like super jacked yeah, yeah, yeah. Look like I him. don't know. Your first real look at him is in Death Wish Four. Wow, wow, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good. Yeah. One. Wow. He's also in Penitentiary Three. Wow. Um, <laughs> lock up the hidden. Yo, the hidden in '87. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. He was a prisoner. Oh he's... my god. Yeah, no, he's always he's just in the background in a lot of movies, but he's been he's I been working since nineteen eighty three. I need to. I, it's been a minute. I got to rewatch. I, I've been meaning to rewatch The Hidden and uh, Popcorn as well from nineteen ninety one. I will do an exclusive podcast where I just cover all of Danny Trejo's movies. Yeah, <laughs> the Trejo just, cast. That's it. <laughs> Four, start at number start at number one. Yeah, we've got at least four hundred and one episodes right there. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, so let's do this last question. So, um, what sequence did uh, Rob Zombie actually get right in this terrible movie? 
Are you going to go first on this one? Because I have an answer. <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to pick the end. Uh, although it was a little long and drawn out, and uh, I think I think a lot of it worked. I I like when they they you know the the crew show up to the Mexican bar and everyone's wearing their paint. Um, and uh, you know, it's this... it's the well, what it is is you get a half a movie up front. Rob Zombie's nice enough to give you this half a movie up front where nothing <laughs> makes sense. Yes. Then you get this other half a movie <laughs> about Mexican drug lords in this Mexican town, <laughs> and it's completely divergent of the other movie. Yeah, they don't connect at all. No, well, <laughs> vaguely. You've got with, two with separate Trejo. movies. What? Yeah, one of them got Trejo in it, the other one doesn't. No, <laughs> but the other one, like, it's, I guess it's like his son that's like getting like the revenge for him fucking killing Treo. Um but yeah like by the end like you there's some cool stuff you know like like the split screen stuff um and then like listen I'm a sucker for for some iron butterfly so when 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 Inagata Vita pops in and uh I I feel like he excels when it comes to music and violence and um I feel like if you pick Inagata Davida for a shootout or like your climax of a of a movie, um, you shouldn't be able to make that movie. Should, <laughs> That's it point. should be on a list of songs that just like you can't use anymore. I just I I'm and not... I would say I would have said the same thing about Freebird, honestly, but he did that right at the end of um Devil's Rejects. So like I'm just picturing Hey, that was cool. I'm picturing you with a clipboard walking in on set being like, Gotta shut it down. You can't <laughs> you can't use <laughs> this. <laughs> movies would be so much better if they just let me on set to shut yeah, things down. You can't. Yeah, no. yeah, you, you got it. Says here you're using and then got him. No, no, you can't do that. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You <laughs> want to use and got him over this song? No, 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 the scene, the scene is not for that. Shut no, it go down. Ahead. Shut it down. Um, oh, what your second, your your second choice is all along the watchtower. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but so that what what's what's your uh, pick for the one scene? <sighs> yeah, I'm guessing that end scene. Um, because it's a nice fight scene. It's cut together really well. It's shot pretty well. Um, but at the same time, again, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Nothing. It, <laughs> it almost makes nothing. them like heroes. Right. And it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It, it, it's as if Rob Zombie finished one script and was like, I don't really feel like finishing it. I'll just write this other movie. <laughs> Staple these two things together. We got one movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, I, it's it's just very upsetting. <laughs> the whole thing is very upsetting, especially coming from a movie that was really good. It's like one long, old Promise Ring song with like four different parts that don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like 30 degrees everywhere <laughs> yeah. in, into a movie. I mean, it's he's not the first person to make a movie like that, and he won't be the last person, but I'll tell you this right now, he might be the best at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Whenever the most famous one is obviously from Dust Till Dawn, right? You know, like you want. I remember seeing that in the theaters and being like, "Yo, this is pretty good." Um, and then it just got to the end. And I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, I, I feel like my grandmother could kill these vampires. Like they're dying. <laughs> like there's nothing to it. They're not. They're, they're not putting up a fight. They just lay there, and it's like if you could, like you, you could put like your your fist through one of their hearts, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're like paper, paper people. Paper people, for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, well, listen, it's 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 been real. Yeah, uh, of course. It's been fun. Finally got you on. Um, you know, it only took a pandemic. 
Yeah, well, listen, we're all at home and not really doing anything, so we've got time. Yes, um, that's cool. So, I mean, this one's pretty long. I might just add a second piece to it and just put it out. Oh, you're going to rob zombie this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to put, like, someone at the end that makes no sense. I'm going to get, like, the old drummer from, like, uh, you know, I don't know, like maybe uh, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Who's that? Dino. I'm going to oh, get good. Dino. That's definitely who I want to be associated with. <laughs> I'm going to get Dino. I'm going to throw him at the end here, and we're going to talk about That's it. another thing. I saw online the other day, like, if you could bring back somebody famous or dead, who would you bring back? And somebody said DJ Allen, and I'm like, why? Yeah. What the fuck is that? the point of that? Who the fuck wrote that? You know what his favorite movie is? Natural Born Killers, for sure. Definitely. That person's <laughs> definitely a Natural Should have asked him. Person. Should have been like, yo, out of curiosity, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> Funny that you. Oh yeah, I want this guy to come back and just (laughs) shit all over my house and bleed all over me. (laughs) I'll never forget showing that DVD uh, when I got it, and I I was I don't know fifteen or sixteen. I watched it, and my dad was at my mom's, and uh, we watched it together. And to this day, he just always asks. He's like, "Yo, whatever happened to that DVD with that guy?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm like he's dead." <laughs> Obviously, just, he is very dead. He just blew his mind, you know, like watching him, you know. And you know what was pretty good too, it, which gave me a, a new appreciation for his brother. That I guess is kind of normal. Is that Showtime? Uh, Alan, I guess it's all in the family, but it's Alan the family. Right, right, right. Did you watch yes. it? No, no. Uh, here's the thing about me: don't really give a shit about Gigi Allen. <laughs> okay, neither do I. But this. On a, on an interesting documentary level, it shows his brother and his mom, and his mom calls him Kevin. It's just it was almost like this thing where his persona just took over his real life. Um, Wasn't that's what that's what happens to all people who are extreme and quote, quote unquote twisted? Yeah, with a Z, <laughs> you know, like you end like if you don't separate, it's it's good coda to everything though. Is if you don't separate yourself from the media or the 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 thing that excites you and you think that you're supposed to look up to, if you don't separate reality from life, you end up being a nut and you end up doing stupid things that you think are cool. How how does someone uh, get so much knowledge like you? I mean, you're almost like a, you're like the punk rock bass playing Dr. Phil. I feel like you, you, <laughs> Listen, you, one, have, you have I don't lo- play bass well. <clears throat> Dr. Phil is not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Neither are you. A not, neither am I. No. Yeah, um, that's it. I mean, I, I, I feel like you, you should definitely, you know, give that advice. You, you have a lot of answers, a lot of knowledge. I, I don't really. I was, I was, <laughs> I just I was completely picky. kidding. I'm completely picky. That's all it is. I'm just an asshole. That's it. Uh, thank you, Bruce Andolfo, for making you, uh, making this <laughs> Listen, podcast. That was more Jenna Andolfo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to both of them. And uh, cool, man. So we'll talk and maybe we'll do something like this again where we do something. Yeah, when you say you like a stupid movie and I have <laughs> to tell you you're wrong, I can't let wait. me know. I can't wait. As soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I serve out this Facebook suspension that ends in like 20 hours. Are you? <laughs> Are you suspected? Yeah, I got. I caught. I caught seven days. I'm at the Bing tomorrow sometime. I, I caught seven days. Yeah, <laughs> they caught me. Yeah.